Hey, good morning, Christ Church. Good to see you today. We got Thanksgiving week. Yeah, but it is, uh, it's so good to be with you today. Uh, as Tina said, I do want to say a special thank you to everyone um, that uh, led a group for our um, church emphasis, our stop training, start trying. No, reverse that. That's stop trying, start training. That always gets me. I, I have a mind block with that title. Um, so I want to thank everyone who led a group. We had many people lead for the first time. Can we give them some round of applause? It, it takes courage and faith to step out and to do that. I also want to thank everyone who is part of a group, especially those who took a risk, who took a chance, and uh, were part of a group for the first time. Let's give them some applause. Uh, we're thankful for you. Hopefully it's been helpful. Hopefully you, you feel like you have some new tools just to grow in your walk with God. And today we're going we're gonna to land this plane. We're going to finish uh, our, our talk about this and, um, and talk about intimacy. So before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you. I am so grateful, Lord, for your goodness, your kindness, and your grace in our lives. Father, I pray today that you could help us to have that same passion that the Apostle Paul had, that same goal, Lord, to just know you in a deeper way. I pray, Father, that that goal would transform how we experience and go through life, and I pray that it would all honor and glorify you. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, my, uh, my daughter, Abby, she's always on the go. She's a little, you know, two and a half-ish, coming up to three pretty close in Fe uh, May. May? Sorry. I'm, man, I'm struggling today. Good thing, hey, good thing Allie's not here this service, okay? None of them. So let's just keep that between us. Um, and she's, uh, you know, she, she's got a lot of energy. She never, she never sits still. She's always very active. You know, she's uh, just got a hilarious personality, and, uh, and the other day this week, I, I came downstairs, and she's like, hey, Dad, will you, will you sit on the couch with me and read a book? And I was like, of course I will, but I was kind of surprised at the same time, because usually, you know, she's not one to really snuggle up with you. She always just kind of wants to be go doing her thing, so, so we, you know, got on the couch. She snuggled up to me. We read about a pigeon that didn't want to take a bath. And, and apparently this became a real problem in the pigeon's life because he didn't want to take a bath, but everyone else wanted him to. And the good news is, by the end of the book, he not only took a bath, but he enjoyed it so much. So praise God. It was a great story. So, so we read it. And, and, you know, she, she wanted to, to read it again, and I was like, honestly, you know, Abby, these authors, I don't know how they get published here, because I could write a lot more interesting stories. Um, you know, dad might have a future and children, but anyway, but, but it, was, it was a beautiful moment, you know, because we, we just got to just, like, connect and, and be together. And, you know, at this stage in my, my fatherhood career, those are the best moments, you know, those are just like, you're, you're, your heart's full, you're thankful, uh, it, it's meaningful, and, uh, and, and it was awesome. And as I was thinking about that, you know, I believe that our Heavenly Father delights when we slow down 
and when we seek intentionally to connect with him and to be with him and to put our agendas down and just to enjoy his presence. Church, I, I believe just like my fatherly heart is moved when my daughter, you know, wants that from me, do you know today your heavenly father's heart is moved? He loves you. Now, I know that, that all of us, we come from different backgrounds. So some of us, we have a hard time understanding God that way. Because maybe some of us, we, we've always understood God as cold and distant. You know, as some nebulous force in the world that, you know, to have this intimate relationship is, is a new way of thinking for us. Or maybe some of us, we, we understand, we've grown up understanding God as really upset all the time and really angry and if God has any emotion towards you it's probably negative emotion he, he doesn't want to you know cuddle up to you he wants to uh you know correct you or yell at you or whatever but I want you to know that when we read the scriptures when we see a God who is always in pursuit of people like you and me we, we see a God who, who longs to be in a growing, a relationship of deeper and deeper intimacy with each of us. And I want to talk to you about that today, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he's one of these great spiritual giants of history and of the New Testament, and, and we're going to see how he understood his relationship with God, and I think there's a lot of helpful things in it for us today. So Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 4. I'm kind of picking up in the middle of a, of a thought, so, um, so I'll explain it as we go. Verse 4, Paul says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reasons for the confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, what the Apostle Paul is starting to talk about is he's talking about his life before he really knew God. He's talking about his life when he thought he knew God, but he would learn later on that he actually didn't know him. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. And, and Paul's talking about how he understood life and what his goal and what his drive was in life. And he's going to show us how it changed as he began to know and experience God. So he says, in the flesh I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, blameless. Now, in other words, what Paul is showing us here, he's saying, hey, you know, back in the day, I was something to see. You ever hear someone like brag about, you know, high school football or something like that? <laughs> the glory days? This is Paul's kind of going down that path. He's like, hey, back in the day, you know, I, I was as religious of a guy as you could ever know. I mean, when you're bragging about the day you were circumcised, you're really reaching there, amen? Uh, that, there's <laughs> and and he's, he's just, he's saying this, this is how I understood the values of my life. I, I was on this fast track. I was religious. I was checking all the boxes. I, I was, um, you know, surrounded by all these important religious people. Um, I, I kept the law as he understood it. I, I was blameless and said, and, and that was my life. That's what mattered to me. But verse 7, but look at this. 
But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. But then there came a moment in my life where everything I was chasing, I realized it didn't really matter. Everything that I thought mattered didn't matter in comparison to the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe some of us know what that change is like in our life. If, if we talked about our life before Christ, some of us said, I, well, I wasn't after all the religious stuff, but I was after this. And then I met God, and everything changed. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Now, there is a lot in these verses, and these are so good and so rich. But the one thing I want you to see today is that Paul has this clear, overriding aim in life. He, he has a very clear goal that he says, this is what I'm ultimately after. And because I'm after this, it has reshaped how I experience life. There's power in having clarity about the direction that you're going. You know, if you ever get in the car and the person in the passenger seat's like, hey, where are you going? You're like, I don't know. I'm just going to drive around. That's going to be a bizarre ordeal, right? It's probably not going to be really fun or meaningful or good. But, but you know, when you know your destination... Then, then everything you do is getting you closer, and, and you know that. And Paul says, I know where I'm trying to go in my life. I know what I'm after. And here's what his one goal is. Deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or we could use that word intimacy, a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, that's the goal of my life. That's what I'm after. And here's what is so powerful, church, about this goal. Here's what's so powerful. Is that I, I believe there is nothing more important in your life and my life than knowing the God that created you, knowing the God that came for you, knowing the God that died for you, knowing the God that resurrected you, knowing the God that, uh, that resurrected for you, knowing the God that, that you're going to worship in all eternity, like, because God is of supreme importance, then I believe the best goal that we can have has to be connected to him. Does that make sense? And, and so knowing Christ, it, it should be the greatest goal, but here's what is also beautiful about it. 
when that is our deepest drive in life, it transforms how we experience life. And here's what I believe. It brings a deeper satisfaction to the faith. It brings, it brings a richer joy and meaning and purpose to our life. Paul says, this is my goal, and it's, it's the right goal to have, but, but it also has, has shaped everything that I go through, whether it's suffering or facing death or losing something. All of it is different because this is what's driving me. So today, I, I want to talk about that, and, and the first thing that, that I want us to understand is that we're meant to be in a growing relationship with God. We're, we're, we're meant to be in a relationship that is, is progressively growing, where we are understanding him more and more. And I want all of us just to take a moment this morning and to honestly look inside of our hearts today and say, man, am I growing? Or, you know, have I maybe plateaued a little bit? Has, it, has my... My growth, my knowledge of God, my desire for God, has, has it stalled out a bit? Or maybe, can we just be honest and some of us just look in, in our own heart and say, you know what, I, I think it's maybe a little more than stalled out. I think it's gone backwards. It's, it's grown a little bit, a little bit cold. And the reality is, church, that happens in all of our hearts at times. That, that this journey, we're, we're meant to keep, keep growing and keep seeking him, but the challenges and the difficulties of lives and all kinds of things can conspire to slow us down or move us backwards in that journey. And so today, I just want you and I want to do an honest assessment in our heart and say, where's my relationship with God today? Is it growing and moving? Is it standing still? Or, or is it moving backwards a little bit? And Paul says the goal is that it is always moving forward. And he says, as I've been in this race, I've learned a few things. And I think a few things that will help us today. First, he, he talks about how he was aimed at the wrong things before. This is what I call kind of Paul's misguided life. He talks about how he was pursuing all this religion, but, but he wasn't pursuing Christ. And I believe that, that, that all of us, we, we have to think about the, the aim and the drive of our life. I read recently a woman named Elizabeth Elliot, and she was a missionary, just this incredibly powerful woman. And she says, when we are not answering the call of God on our life, there's no gravity in our life. That we're just, we're just kind of floating around without this sense of, of gravity and rootedness and solid foundation. And when I was a kid, I always thought, you know, it'd be cool to like be in space and not have any gravity, you know. Uh, sadly, I did not become an astronaut. Kind of one of those bucket list items <laughs> that just didn't pan out. But that always looked really, really cool. But when you read about what happens when you live in a no-gravity environment, it destroys your body. Muscles atrophy, 
you know, you, you start stretching out in the wrong kind of ways, you know. You come out of those spaceships like Laffy Taffy. It's just, it's not good. Uh, there, there's, it, we're not meant to live in that. And, and sometimes when we lose our, our response to God's call on our life, we don't realize that, that we're also losing the sense of gravity. And then Paul says, but, but here was my problem. I was neck deep in religion, but I miss God in all of that. I always like to make a contrast between religion and an authentic pursuit of Jesus Christ. Because I think they are different things. Religion is focused on what I do. And this is the first part of these verses. Paul saying, this is what I did. I was blameless. I was zealous. I was on this track. Do you, do you notice it's all focused on Paul? And the religious mindset, it's focused on what we do for God. And then because we're thinking about what we do for God, the religious mindset is also anticipating what now God needs to do for me. And it's, it's anticipating these rewards based on my performance. And church, I will tell you that you can sit in church all of your life, and that doesn't mean you're in pursuit of Jesus Christ. I've, re- I've met some really ugly and mean people who never went to church one day in their life, and I've met some really ugly and mean people who went to church every Sunday. They were religious, but they didn't know Christ. You with me? And, and we, we cannot fall into that danger. And sometimes being around the things of Christ and the people of Christ, you know, you, you kind of think, well, I, I, think I, I think I'm in pursuit of him. But, but here's where religion and pursuing Christ becomes different. Religion is about what I'm doing for God. Pursuing Christ is about seeing what God has done for me. And responding to that and being moved by that. See, Paul had this this huge change where it it stopped being about all these laws and and all of the way that he thought it worked. And, And when he realized that he was a broken man that was redeemed and saved and called into God's purpose as an act of grace, Paul's motivation and drive became really, really different. Today, are you passionate about Christ? Is is he compelling to you? Is is he draw draw you? Is is there something in your heart that that stirs as you think about him and think about his role and his place in in our life? Paul says, I lived this way, but but then, then I saw Christ and it became now, one of the things that I think can often keep us stuck in our relationship with God is something that, that Paul deals with in these verses. And this is what, what I call the gift of regret. See, Paul's he's kind of giving us a, a picture of his life, and, and he's showing us all the ways that he got it wrong. And I know you probably, you know, never think about regret in your life you you probably don't really have any yeah you know you you probably just batted a thousand you know in life but for any person that's like me that may struggle with 
with regret, I think Paul has a lot of helpful things to say to us. Because I'll be honest, I've always had a really frustrating relationship with regret. It's one of those emotions and experiences that drives me crazy. Because I hate looking back on my life and seeing it so clearly and not being able to do anything about it. Anyway, that, that is a recipe that in my mind, it drives me insane. Because it's like, I, you know, you see it so clearly. And you're like, if, if I could go back, I would do it so different. Or you look back and you're like, man, I, I miss these opportunities. And if I would have been a little more diligent or if I would have been a little more in tune with God or whatever, it would look so different now. Anybody with me on that? And, and I've always struggled with like, Lord, how do I, what do I do with this? What do, what do I do with it? Because all it's doing to me is just de-energizing me. It's slowing me down. It's just building up lots and lots of frustration. And here's what I think is fascinating about Paul. Paul had real regret in his life. He, he, missed, he missed some things. We just get a little snapshot in these verses. He said, I, I was a, a persecutor of the church, but, but you know, he was, he was responsible for jailing early Christians, getting them thrown in jail. When the first Christian martyr uh, was killed, Stephen, he's like, hey, y'all, I'll hold all your jackets so you can throw stones at this guy more freely. Like, Paul, those are some big things to be carrying around in his life. But, but yet, what I find fascinating about him is that they don't keep him stuck. And I began thinking about that, and, and here's what I think regret, here's how I think it can become a gift in our life. Because I think there is some gifting in it. It comes wrapped really, really weird. But I think there, there are some, some good things that come into our life from it. And here's the first thing, is that I think regret, it helps us to see what we really value. It, with, with, with absolute clarity. When you look back at life and you're like, oh, I would have treated my spouse so much different. Then you know what it's showing you? You really do deeply value your spouse, your marriage. Or your kids. Or if you, you look back and you're like, man, I missed all this time with God. And, you know, I, I was lackadaisical or rebellious or whatever. But you know what? It is showing you something. It's showing you that you do truly value him. Paul says, I look back and here's what I've learned. The thing that I care most about is Jesus Christ. Paul says, all, all that, that, that I've went through, all the misguided actions and ways of thinking and approaches, it has showed me that Christ is immeasurably valuable and greater than all the things I was after. And church, regret has an amazing way of clearing out all the ambiguity of our values in our life and showing us what really matters. And here's the second thing it does. It gives us a true north. It says, hey, you were not happy about this, so don't go down that same road again. And it brings a certain level of, of pain and drive for that new direction. And today, church, if some of us, maybe we are, we're struggling 
in our relationship with God and we're looking back at all the stuff we didn't do and all the ways we got off course and man, I, I, you know, I should have done this. All, and, and we're just kind of in that place. Here, here, I want you to do what Paul does. I want you to take all of that and say, you know what it, it's showing me? It's showing me that Christ really does matter to me. And I want you to allow that to energize you to move forward. I love the saying, the, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is today. You can't do anything about 30 years ago, but you can do something about today, right? And in our relationship with God, for some of us who, who maybe have been off course, we, we've been struggling, and you're tempted to get, get paralyzed and beat down on what didn't happen, I want you to see, hey, today is what counts. Look, we can't do anything about that. We, we don't have power over that, but we can use it to help us live today in a better way. In church, there is power and goodness in that. And Paul used it that way. He says, man, now I know I'm after Christ, and I'm, and I'm focused on him. And, and notice in these passages how much his focus is forward. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm after Christ, and, and everything I experience I'm looking at it through the lens of how does this give me a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, when that is your goal, every life experience looks different. Because I believe every experience helps us to know and connect to God in different ways. When, when my lens is, I want a deeper knowledge of him, then Paul says, even suffering and death and facing that difficulty becomes a pathway to that goal. He says, I want to know him in his suffering. I've never asked God for that. I've never said, Lord, I want, I want to know you in your suffering. I want to know you in your death. But Paul is showing us something. He's saying, look, even when I go through the worst of the worst, it, it still aligns with my goal because I can have fellowship and connection and knowledge of Christ in a different way. See, what I find fascinating about that is so many people in, in our world, we've all heard it, and people say, well, well how can you know, a loving God allow suffering and evil in the world? And, and many times that's like presented as a real deep conundrum to the truthfulness of Christianity. But I just really think that is really lazy argumentation. Because the scriptures show suffering as something that God uses for his redemptive purposes all the time. The scriptures all the time, they're, they're not shy about it. Even Paul says it here. He said, I want to know him in suffering and death. In other words, Paul says, God in his wisdom and his power, it's part of the tools that he uses for his ultimate glory and for the deeper transformation in the human soul. I love Scott uh, uh, Oliphant. He's a professor at Westminster, and uh, he writes about a lot of these types of topics. But he says, if, if you are arguing against Christianity, the truthfulness of Christianity, based on the goodness of God and suffering in the world, he said the very best argument you can say is that it is improbable. But you cannot say it's incompatible. 
that it, the best you can say, the very highest argument, he says, is it's improbable that there can be a loving God and evil in the world. Im- improbable. But, he said, but here's the deal, improbable things happen all the time. If you're a Browns fan, you know it was very improbable that they would win last week. You, right, we were all watching that game. We were like, yep, we know, we know where this is going. We know this is not going to end well, right? Very, yes, and, but an improbable thing happened. Some might say it's improbable that we'll win today. You know, it, but improbable, thing, right? It's improbable that you get a, a, a what's that, the, the po- a full house in poker, right? Probability, but people who play cards, you get that, right? The improbable things happen, and he said that's the best argument. So all that to say, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, even when I go through suffering, it draws me to Christ. In other words, anything that life throws at me, I, I take it and I use it as an avenue to Christ. And so what I'm really after, I'm always finding a new way to get there, church. And I think that is remarkable. See, as a follower of Christ, there, there is so much resilience that this idea brings to our life. That, that each of us, we, we can face, face life with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is life, isn't it? It's a mixed bag. We all want it to go perfect and smooth, but it doesn't. You know, there's great times, there's hard times, there's everything in between. But here's what Paul is showing us. But all of that can be used to bring us nearer to Christ, to have a deeper experience. And I know that many of us, when we have faced suffering and pain in our lives, we didn't turn away from God. We turned towards God, and it deepened and enriched and strengthened our faith. And I know many of you, because I've seen you go through it, and you're like, I don't know how I'm doing so well. I, I, I would never pick these circumstances, but God's presence has meant everything to me in it. And there was transformation, and there was fruit. See, our goal should not be an easy life. Our goal should be a life that draws us deeper into the waters of God's presence and God's grace, church. This is what Paul is showing us. He's saying, hey, Father of Christ, You don't have to worry about what's around the corner. Because what's around the corner will just be another avenue to draw you deeper into Christ. Hey, and if it's good things, great. The Lord can work through those and you can just live in this deep gratitude. If it's hard things, the Lord will comfort you and strengthen you with his presence. And you'll learn a new sense of his provision, of his faithfulness, of his wisdom. But either way, you can't lose. Either way, you'll be moving towards what God has for you. And church, I think that's a game changer. I think that that is a radical reorientation to how we experience life. And so here's what Paul says. So I'm forgetting what is behind, and I'm striving towards what is ahead. And some of us, we just need to forget what's behind and just say today i'm pursuing christ in a new way 
I'm pursuing him with new energy and with a new heart. And I love what Paul says. He says, I'm doing this because Christ has first made me his own. Did you catch those verses? He's made me his own. And here's what I love so much about the work of Christ and the message of the gospel is that every other religion, every other philosophical system, every other ethical system, it always begins with what you can do for God. What you can change in your life, what you can bring to the table, what what actions you can do, it all begins with you. But here's what's beautiful about Christianity. It begins with God. It begins not with you grabbing hold of God, but God grabbing hold of you. And church, that is good news. It begins with with first first realizing that, man, God, God has gripped you. His hand is on your shoulder to bless you, to forgive you, to love you, to accept you. You don't have to twist his arm. His hands, his heart is open to you today. And Paul says, I realize, I realize this is all grace. This is all the kindness and goodness and mercy of God. And and because of that, I am driven to know this God. Church, I think the more that we really understand the heart, the character, and the work of God, the greater our drive to know him will be. A God that is so for you, a God that, that sacrifices his only son for us, broken, imperfect, flawed, messed up, guilt-ridden, anxious, you you name it, the whole list of people, he does that for us freely and graciously. That's a God I want to know. That's a God I want to draw near to. And Paul says, he he laid hold of me. And it's brought a new drive into my life. So here's my challenge for you today. We've talked uh, about different ways to train our soul. And ultimately, all these different ways, the goal is intimacy. That's what it's about. The goal of the Christian life is to get more of God. That's it. The goal of Christian life is not to get stuff from God. It's to get God himself. It's to to enjoy the beauty of his presence. And so ultimately, everything we've talked about, church, is about helping us to get to that goal. And so my challenge for you today is as we are rounding out this year, however many weeks we have, six or seven weeks left, we've talked about prayer, simplicity, silence and solitude, surrender, humility, self-control, and sacrifice. And I want you to think about what is one new practice, one new habit, maybe one new way of thinking, that, that I, can, I can bring into my life, round out this year with, and hopefully experience a deeper intimacy with Christ. Just one. And it can be a really, really small thing. Don't, don't swing for the fences. Don't be like, I'm going to read the whole Bible in these next six weeks. Don't do that to yourself. Start, start small. Slow and steady wins the day. The tortoise run the, won the race, not the hare. You know what I'm saying? I've been reading a lot of kids' books, guys. Uh, but pick, pick something. 
and say, man, you know what? Here, here's what my goal is to finish out this year, that I would know Christ in a deeper way. Church, I'm telling you, you can't go wrong with that goal. You cannot go wrong. And not only will you get the blessing of God's presence, you'll also just look at everything you're going through different. And you'll see all these pathways to Christ. You'll be like, you know what? If this gets me to Christ, I'll keep taking a step forward. I'll keep moving. I won't give up. And I'll move forward with hope and with anticipation. Allie and I, when, when we got married, we just had this amazing opportunity. We went to Hawaii for a honeymoon. It was unbelievable. And we went to this, uh, one of the islands was Kauai. And there is a coastline called the Nepali coastline on the northern part of the island. And they had a hiking trail. And you just go there for free and hike a couple miles. And uh, so we went and did that. We like doing that kind of thing. And it was the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. I'll be honest with you, it was even more beautiful than Lake Erie. And you know, you know that takes a lot for me to say that, because I love Lake Erie. But, <laughs> but it, was, it, it was absolutely stunningly beautiful. Just, you know, the colors, the, the way the, um, the kind of the mountains went to the sea, it was just unbelievable, unlike anything I've seen. And, you know, we had, um, we had our cameras, and, and we were taking pictures, and uh, we didn't have really fancy camera you know back then I probably had a Blackberry you know and I was trying to just kidding remember those I'm just kidding it was probably an iPhone but but we were taking all these different pictures and I'd take a picture and I'd look at the picture I'm like that's a pretty picture but that doesn't come close to what I'm seeing with my eyes you know and and, and we were you know just because I wanted to share the beat I wanted to like show people I was like this just doesn't do it justice because because there's nothing like seeing it and experiencing it for yourself. And here's what I want you to know today. I can talk to you about the beauty and the majesty of God, and I hope you're compelled by it. I hope your heart is piqued by it. But here's what I will tell you. You draw near to him yourself, and you will see a beauty beyond what you think or know, beyond what you can capture and explain. I'm telling you, the closer you draw to God, the more beautiful and good and wonderful and important and holy and majestic he is. Don't take my word for it. Experience it yourself, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. He is so much better than we can think or imagine or explain. And I want you to experience him in a deeper way for yourself. And I want that for me too. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We ask for your help in all this. Father, I pray that you would just sort of reorient our hearts and our minds. That, Father, we have many plans in life, many aspirations, many goals. But, Lord, I, I pray today we could just see the power of the clarity that the Apostle Paul had. And he said, just one thing I'm after, deeper knowledge of Christ. Father, I know in my own life, I'm always after a lot of different things, but, but I pray that that would, would override everything. And I pray, Father, that, that today, Lord, there could just be 
a new stirring of your spirit in us that just says, man, I want God. I want his presence. I want to connect with him. I want to put my agenda down and just be with him. Father, I pray there just be a new purity of soul in us that, that only you can bring. And Father, I pray that you could just show us one way to take a step towards you. One way to, to seek you in a real, in a new way. And Father, I pray that we could have the sense of your beauty and your goodness for ourselves. Say, man, I, I love to hear people talk about the goodness of God, but I'll tell you what, I've seen it with my own eyes. And it's better. And Lord, I pray we could just be renewed and strengthened by it. Help us in all this in Jesus' name.